Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to open the truth of the text of Scripture. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, you would speak to us very clearly. You would help us to understand our calling. And you would do a mighty work in our hearts, Father. Help us to be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. How many football fans do we have? Most? Good? I'm not going to say anything bad this morning, I promise. Exciting weekend of football. Uh, Some of you are happy, some of you are disappointed. I love college football season. I love the excitement about football. And of course, game day is kind of the pinnacle of all the work and all the preparation put into it. But the thing that we don't see on game day oftentimes is the hours and the hours and the hours that lead up to that very moment. These guys that play college football and these guys that play play pro football or or just incredible world-class athletes and they make it look easy. But the thing we don't see is the hours and the hours and the hours of preparation beginning really at the end of the season with off-season workouts, conditioning oftentimes year-round, working out in the weight room every month of the year, film study, on and on the list goes, and all the hours and the hours and the hours of preparation and strategy lead up to that moment when they kick off on Saturday afternoon or Friday night or Sunday afternoon. And the more you prepare and the more you plan and the better strategy you have and the better you implement that strategy, the better you chance you have of winning that game, right? Because here's the bottom line about football. As great of a sport as it is, and as exciting as it is, and as fun as it is, or maybe was to play for so many of us, at the end of the day, it's just a game, right? And yet we think about all the hard work, and all the dedication, and all the determination, and all the preparation, and all the planning that goes into football, How much more planning and preparation should we put into something that really matters? And so I want to think this morning, as a church, as individual followers of Jesus Christ, about our plan and our preparation and our strategy as a church for reaching the world for Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Now a little bit of background as you're flipping to the book of Acts. In Acts 13, we learn of Paul's first missionary journey. In fact, Paul has been called out from the local church. He and Barnabas have gone and they've sailed into the Mediterranean to the island of Cyprus. They've sailed from Cyprus to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, to cities like Perga and Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. 
And Paul has done a great work in this first missionary journey. But in our text this morning, at the end of chapter 14 of the book of Acts, Paul's first missionary journey is winding down. He's at the end of his journey. And I think within this text and within these few verses we're going to study this morning, there's contained a very simple, yet a very powerful strategy to reach the world for Christ. Now it's very easy for us to get excited about mission work and to go on a couple of trips. That's kind of easy to do. It's very easy for us to to become involved for maybe a season and then kind of fade away. It's very easy for us to start fast and burn out quickly. But I believe if we're going to be faithful to our calling as a church, to reach the world for Christ, then we need to see missions as an ongoing, lifelong process. And in order to sustain that work long term, we need a strategy and we need to be intentional. And our text this morning will help us understand how. Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 21. Here's what the Lord says to us. They, Paul and Barnabas, preached the good news in that city. Now that city is Derby and Just so you'll know, this is the end of the line for them in their first missionary journey. Derby is the last new place he's going to travel in his first missionary journey, the Bible says. So they preached the good news in that city and they won a large number of disciples. Then they returned, now that's awfully important, we'll get there in a minute, to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and now verse 22, strengthening the disciples... And encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Now I believe within those few verses and a few more we're going to cover as we move forward this morning, there's a strategy. I think there's a plan we need to see and understand and implement and be intentional about. Week after week, month after month. Year after year as we move forward. And there's some truths we need to draw from this text that will help us do that. Here's truth number one. As a church, we need an intentional strategy to develop new mission partnerships both locally and around the world. We need an intentional strategy to develop new mission partnerships both locally and And around the world. Now I want you to notice again verse 21 what the Bible says. They, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Now Paul understood the importance of preaching the word of God. Paul understood the importance of going to that next city, of finding that next group, of preaching to that next congregation of people that had never heard the truth of the scripture. And so Paul kind of molded and shaped his life around this truth. And then Paul lived in such a way to honor his calling of the Lord by going and going and going. In fact, this is the first of Paul's three missionary journeys. And we understand by studying scripture that Paul would eventually give his life in an attempt to reach the world for Christ. 
And so based on the clear teaching of Scripture, we need a strategy as a church to be intentional to go into the darkness with the truth of the gospel. Now, we're part, as many of you know, as a church of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention is composed of approximately 16,000 churches all across the nation. And these 16,000 churches give regularly to what's called the cooperative program. Rosemont gives to the cooperative program. Now, each individual church is left up to their own people of how much money they want to give, what percentage to give. Rosemont gives right around 10%. We feel like we need to tie that amount every week or every month to the cooperative program. The cooperative program is divided into kind of two main areas, and this is where the strategy comes in. It's divided into the international mission board that reaches people outside of North America, and it's divided into the North American mission board, which reaches people in North America. Now, each one of these two arms have a very clear strategy. The strategy of the North American mission board is to plant churches in North America, and they've got a pretty lofty goal. Their goal in 10 years is to have netted to increase 5,000 more churches than we currently have. You say, that's a pretty lofty goal. If they're only 16,000 now, they're going to net 5,000 over the next 10 years. That's a pretty lofty goal. They've got to create 5,000 new congregations over the next 10 years. But here's the rest of the story. See, what you have to understand about this strategy is that approximately... 800 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention die every year. So every year, on average, the convention loses about 800 churches. That means that the Southern Baptist Convention wants to net 5,000 new churches over the next 10 years. They're actually going to have to plant 13,000 churches. They're going to need to plan about the number of churches over the next 10 years that are in existence now. Now you say, well, that's that's an interesting strategy. How are they going to make that happen? They're going to make it happen through the local churches. They're going to make it happen by the people of God recognizing the need to go to those that have never heard and share their faith and eventually plant churches in areas that need to reach people for the gospel. That's how they're going to do it. But here's the problem. For the vast majority of Southern Baptist Convention churches, the idea of church planting is not even on their radar. In fact, statistically, 97% of churches in the Southern Baptist Convention have never planted a new church. 97% of churches in the Southern Baptist Convention have never planted a new church. You can imagine the difficult road we face. But the North American Mission Board has got a strategy. They've got a plan. And so one of the things we're doing at Rosemont to kind of fall into this plan and be part of this strategy and be part of this vision is to increase, first of all, our awareness of the need for church planting. I've been talking about it. I've been praying about it. I've explained it to our leaders We're looking right now and praying through a partnership in Atlanta with a person who is called to plant a church in the perimeter of Atlanta. And we're going to help those people and we're going to help that congregation. We're going to help that pastor over the next many years. First of all, through prayer, through sending teams, through sending money, through sending eventual resources. And so one of these days our plan and our prayer is that it will become such a burden on the hearts of our people 
that we'll see that there's such a need to plant churches that the Lord will rise up within our congregation somebody that says, I'm willing to go and plant a church. I'm willing to forsake all that I know and all the comforts of life, and I'm willing to go wherever the Lord leads, and I'm willing to plant a church. Whether that means in Georgia, whether that means in North America, whether that means on the continent of Africa or beyond. We have a plan. We have an intent. The International Mission Board is very similar. North American Mission Board works within North America. The International Mission Board works internationally. And your money that our church gives every month to the cooperative program, in addition to the other churches of the Southern Baptist Convention, combined send almost 5,000 missionaries overseas. So at the moment... The Southern Baptist Convention completely pays for approximately 5,000 missionaries from Brazil to China to India and everywhere in between. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking. Adam, we've been talking about missions for about a year and a half now. You've been pushing it pretty hard. (laughs) You've been preaching about it. You've been kind of leading us to go. You've been challenging us in our own personal walk to think about what we ought to do. We're already giving money. Haven't we done enough? Isn't it enough that we just send our money each month? When are we going to move on to something else at Rosemont? Well, I need to tell you, as long as I'm your pastor, we're not going to move on to anything else. If you're waiting me out to quit talking about it, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because, see, when I take a step back, And I look at the statistics of the world, I see numbers like this. There are approximately 11,487 people groups in the world. That's an estimate. Nobody knows for sure. A people group is defined as people whose members identify with each other through a common heritage, a common language, and a common culture. So within countries, sometimes there are hundreds and even thousands of individual people groups. Of those almost 12,000 people groups, over 6,000 of them are unreached. That means there is no Christian influence within that people group. There's not a missionary. There's not a church. Sometimes there aren't even believers. And when you do the math, that adds up to almost two billion people that have never heard the name Jesus. And when we consider the fact that there are two billion people that have never heard the name Jesus, we can never do enough. We can never go far enough. We can never give too much. We can never sin too many. We can never preach too many sermons. Because the world is filled with darkness. The Lord calls us to go, and so we need an intentional strategy to reach the nations. You say, great, what does that strategy look like? Well, it's real complicated. Christ gives it to us in Acts 1.8. You may remember the story of Jesus right before he ascends into heaven. His followers are surrounding him. His disciples are with him. And he gives the clear call of Acts 1-8. And here's what our Lord says. 
But you, speaking to the believers, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in, and here's the model, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he kind of gives us this three-pronged attack, kind of this concentric circles that begin in Jerusalem, kind of our local area, move to Judea, Samaria, which is kind of a regional approach, on to the ends of the earth. And so we've taken this model in Acts 1-8 as our strategy, and we have intentionally created opportunities that fit within each of these three areas. Now, some of you have seen our little card that we've given away. We've given away a lot of these. Rosemont 2014 mission trips, front and back. You can go and look at these. This gives you a clear picture of exactly what we're planning to do in 2014. You can go to our website, rosemontmissions.org. It's a brand new mission site we've launched to help you get a better picture of what we're trying to accomplish, of where we're going, of the need in those areas. I'm going to encourage you to look at one of these sheets. If you don't have one, pick one up. I'm going to encourage you to go to the website, rosemontmissions.org. And I'm going to encourage you to kind of think through and understand the strategy that we've tried to put into place. Now, the Lord gives us three different areas. Jerusalem, for us, that's kind of LaGrange, Troop County, locally. What are we doing to reach people for Christ? Now, I see our local church as the first step in that process. We preach, we teach, we minister, we call people to go into the world. But I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you with something. You don't have to get on an airplane and fly to Africa to be a missionary. You can be a missionary at the buffet line today at lunch, right? You can be a missionary tomorrow morning when you walk into your office. Students, you can be a missionary in the halls of your school. We need people to go, and we're going to continue to go, and I'm going to challenge you to go, and I'm going to challenge you to sin, but you ought to be a missionary right where you are every single day. You shouldn't use the excuse that I just can't go overseas for whatever reason, therefore I can't be a missionary. That's not true. Christ says you need to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your home, at work, at school. So we've strategically planned, in addition to the day-to-day operations of this church and the day-to-day mission work that the people of this church ought to be doing, we've strategically planned some things. Mission LaGrange next summer, July. We're going to do all the things in LaGrange that we do overseas. And I'm going to challenge you. You need to go and be ready for this. I'm going to challenge every person to be part of it. There's no excuse. You've got a year to make plans. It's July the 6th through the 12th. Go ahead and put it on the calendar. Maybe God's calling you to take vacation days. Maybe he's calling you to go to work after you get off from your first job. Maybe he's calling you to do things at work. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to challenge you. There's no reason that every person in this church can't be involved in this process. But I also want to encourage you, as you look ahead to next July and what the Lord's going to do, go ahead and prepare your hearts now. Why don't you go ahead and start practicing at work? (laughs) Why don't you go ahead and just start sharing the gospel with a couple of people you're around, or maybe that family member or student, maybe that kid that sits next to you at lunch that you know doesn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord calls us, first of all, to Jerusalem. We are intentional as a church. We are strategically trying to reach Jerusalem. The next is Judea and Samaria, and we've planned trips to regions outside of LaGrange. As I mentioned earlier, we're trying to partner with a guy in Atlanta, actually a couple different ministries in Atlanta, to plant churches. 
We've got a trip next summer that's going to go to Alaska and reach some of these inner city people in some of the harder areas of Anchorage. We have a Carpenters for Christ trip planned to Kentucky. Our students will be going to Bryson City and to Charleston specifically to do mission. We've got a plan for the Jerusalem, for the Judea, for the Samaria. God's called us to go to the ends of the earth, and so we've got plans to go to Romania again. We've got plans to go to Zambia again. We've got plans to go to Guatemala again. We've got plans for the very first time to go to Brazil. In other words, our strategy is based on Acts 1.8. And if we've got a strategy, and we've got a clear calling, we need to be intentional to follow that, don't we? So the Lord's called us to go. Now look at verse 21 again. They preached the good news in that city and they won a large number of disciples. We always have to keep on the forefronts of our mind, continuing to go, continuing to reach new people for Christ. Then, the Bible says, they returned. Now this is very important. This is going to move us into our next phase. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships... To enter the kingdom of God, they said. Now here's point number two. Not only do we need an intentional strategy to continue to reach new people and develop new mission opportunities both locally and around the world, but number two, we need an intentional strategy to strengthen and encourage our mission partnerships as well as develop leaders in existing churches by returning over and over again. See, here's kind of the second approach. Here's the second part of this strategy. We can't just go once. We need to return. Over and over again. That's exactly what we see in Scripture. That's exactly what Paul has done. That's exactly what the Lord calls us to do. See, Paul and Barnabas went back not to fellowship, not to take a lot of cool pictures to add to their blog site, Not to have a party with all the people in the church. Although I'm sure there was great fellowship and love among the brethren. But Paul and Barnabas went back with intent. And their intent, according to the scripture, was to strengthen the disciples and encourage them to remain true in their faith. Now we see this all through Paul's ministries. Paul wrote all sorts of letters to encourage churches. And every time he wrote these letters to these churches... He would specifically mention something they need to be doing or something they need to be thinking about. How they can grow, how they can be strengthened, how they can be encouraged. So here's how we take this truth from the writings of Paul from the first century and apply it to our context today at Rosemont Baptist Church. As a church, we need an intentional strategy to not only reach these people, but we need an intentional strategy to go back over and over so we can build relationships and strengthen these disciples. Now, 2013 for our church has been an incredible year of mission work. In fact, I believe in years to come, we'll look back at this year as the greatest year in the history of our church as it relates to mission work. We've just done some phenomenal things. We've gone to Guatemala and Zambia and Romania. We've done so many wonderful things, but here's the danger. As we look at all we've accomplished and we look at all that we've done, the danger is to think in our hearts, well, you know what, let's just take a break. (laughs) We've done enough. 
I mean, I went after all, right? Or I gave to go, or I really prayed hard for that team. I'm going to take a break because I'm kind of worn out. One year on, a couple years off, I'll pick it back up, middle 2015, 2016. If we're still talking about it, maybe I'll do it then. See, the danger is to see all that we've accomplished and think it's enough. But aren't you thankful that Christ didn't think that in his ministry? And what if he'd been kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he'd been arrested and he began to think to himself, you know, I've done some pretty cool things. I've healed all these people. I've walked on the water. I've done all this incredible teaching. You know what, Lord? I think that's enough. I'm not going to go any farther. That's it. See, everything we hold dear about our faith stems from the fact that Christ didn't stop. He didn't think he'd done enough. He kept on and he kept on and he kept on and it cost him his life. But he did it for the glory of God. Of the Lord. You say, well, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> you know, I don't know, Adam. I'm struggling a little bit with this. I'm, I'm thinking through it. I'm praying through it. I just don't quite know yet. I'm scared. I'm struggling. I, I'm just not quite sure what I ought to do. Well, the Lord's got a word for you. Look again at verse 22. Pull that back up as you would, please. So they go back, verse 22, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Now I want you to listen to these words. He's speaking to the first century believers, but he's speaking to us today. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You understand that? See, we, we may not understand it in the context of Christianity in America, But for the majority of the world, through the majority of history, Christianity has been tough. And persecution has been rampant. So as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, when we prepare to walk into the darkness, we need to be ready. Because it's not just some game we're playing. When we tread into enemy territory, where the devil has had strongholds for decades and for generations and in some places for centuries, we need to be prepared for persecution. We need to be prepared for hardships. We need to be prepared to endure regardless of what it costs us. You say, ah, you're, you're overblowing this. <laughs> a little too dramatic for me, Adam. I, I'm just not really buying into this whole persecution issue. I look around and Christianity, for me, is pretty easy. Well, let me clue you in. All over the world, Christians are, now watch this, dying for their faith. You with me there? Website, persecution.org. It's the website of the Voice of the Martyrs. You ought to go to it and read occasionally. They have a little news tab. And they update it regularly with persecution all around the world. I want to read just an article I pulled up this week. In a deadly shooting, this is in Egypt, on October the 20th, 2013. Not first century, not middle ages, not hundreds of years ago. Just a few weeks ago, four Christians, including two young girls, were killed. And another 18 were wounded as they were attending a wedding at a local Christian church in Cairo, Egypt. 
Attacks on Christians have continued to increase. In August, there was a wave of attacks that destroyed more than 30 churches and over 120 Christian-owned businesses, homes, and cars. Now, this is just one event. I could go on down the list. Tanzania, Nigeria, Somalia, Sudan, Darfur region. Over and over the list goes on and on the list goes. Stories of people in our world right now that are dying for their faith. I want you to listen to this truth. Christianity is more persecuted today than at any other point in history. You say, how do you know that, Adam? Because more Christians were killed last century than all other centuries combined. More Christians were killed last century for their faith than all other centuries combined. But as scary as that is for us, here's the incredible truth. God in all His wisdom and power and glory has always used a remnant. A small little group of persecuted believers to win the world for Christ. Always. Without exception through history. Acts chapter 7 is probably a great example. Stephen is stoned and the local believers are fearful and so they scatter all over the region into areas of the known world and some of those people scatter to the city of Antioch. Those believers in the city of Antioch form a little church and from that little church in Acts chapter 13 they eventually send out Paul and Barnabas. The greatest missionary the world has ever known. See, persecution leads to the gospel going forth. So here's a word of warning to us based on this truth. We need to be very careful when we decide not to do mission work because of our own perceptions or fears. Don't shy away from mission work because it might be hard. Don't shy away from mission work because it might be dangerous. Don't shy away from mission work because you may be afraid. See, the problem with reaching the world has never been about Christ. The problem with reaching the world has never been about the clear calling. The problem with reaching the world has never been about the power of the Holy Spirit. The problem with reaching the world has always been the fearful Christians who won't go when they're called. Period. And I wonder how many of those two billion people would have heard the gospel if we had been faithful. That ought to keep you awake at night. Now fast forward. Acts 15. Verses 3 and 4. So the church sent them on their way. Again, Paul and Barnabas. Now they're headed home. 
As they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. Now watch this. So they're telling the story of all that had happened. This news made all the believers very glad. Verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Here's the third truth. We need an intentional strategy to share our experience and encourage others to be on mission. We need an intentional strategy to share our experience and encourage others to be on mission. I love what the Bible says here. As Paul and Barnabas are heading home and they told all the Gentiles about what had happened and all these people that had been converted, and the Bible says that this news made all the believers glad. And when they came home, they reported everything that the Lord had done through them. See, there's this sense of excitement when scared people who aren't quite sure what the Lord's up to, walk into the darkness, share their faith, see the Lord doing incredible things, and come home and share their story. When that happens, there's this sense of excitement that builds in there. There's this sense of excitement that grows because we begin to think, you know, if that guy can do it, then maybe I can do it. If they can afford it, maybe we can afford it. If the Lord used that person in a mighty and powerful way, maybe the Lord can use me in a mighty and powerful way. And so I want to encourage anyone that's gone, anyone that feels called to go, anyone that has a heart for missions, talk about it on a regular basis. You see, I get about 30 minutes a week right here to talk. And I'm going to talk about it as much as I possibly can, but imagine if every person in this congregation that's called to mission work If every person that's actually gone spent 30 minutes a week talking to somebody else, imagine the effect it would have on this congregation. Imagine the effect it would have on this community and on this world. You say, Adam, what can one church really do? I mean, come on. We're just one congregation of a few hundred people. What can we do in the big old world? Well, here's a biblical truth you need to understand. God's plan is to reach the world through his church. That's what the Bible says. Now get ready, I'm about to step on your toes. God's plan is not to reach the world through some social club. God's plan is not to reach the world through some political group. God's plan is not to reach the world through some traveling sports team. God's plan is not to reach the world through some business. All those things can be useful. And God can bless and use all of those things. But God's plan is to reach the world through the church. That's His plan. The problem is that churches all across our country are filled with people that are more passionate about the things of the world than they are the things of the Lord. That's the problem. If we would all step up to the plate and fulfill the calling that the Lord has placed upon the church, there would not be a shortage of missionaries and there wouldn't be two billion people that had never heard. One person said it like this. A church is not measured by its seating capacity. It's measured by its sending capacity. 
So here's your challenge. Four things very quickly as I finish up. You need to be praying. You need to seek the Lord. You need to quit using excuses about why you can't go or why you can't sin or why you can't be involved. And you need to ask yourself the simple question, Lord, what are you calling me to do? The second thing you need to do is you need to look at our list of upcoming trips. The Lord has led our church to do these. We didn't just throw darts at a map one day. This comes from an awful lot of prayer and an awful lot of discussion and a plan to be strategic and intentional to reach the world for Christ. You need to look at that. You need to talk to Randy Presley. He's going to be standing right over the mission wall this morning. You need to talk to him. Go to our website, rosemontmissions.org, and examine all your opportunities. Number three, decide how the Lord is leading you. You can either go or you can sin, but you can't sit on the sidelines. And number three, you need to participate. Don't just be a spectator. Don't kind of ride this out until we quit talking about missions. I heard one speaker say it like this. There's a war raging. If you're not going to shoot, at least carry some bullets. I think that's right. So here's the question I want to challenge you with as I finish this morning. Very simple. Will we allow the Holy Spirit to do a mighty work in us and through us to reach the world for Christ? Let's pray. Father, your words are clear and easy to understand, Lord. But incredibly difficult sometimes to follow. Forgive us for our fears. Forgive us for putting our own desires ahead of your calling. Forgive us for thinking anything compares to who you are and who you've called us to be. I pray, Father, for a renewed excitement in this church to go into LaGrange, to go into North America, to go to the nations, to share Christ with a lost and dying world. And I pray, Father, through our simple little pitiful efforts <laughs> in our weakness that your strength would be made perfect. And that we would accomplish things for you that none of us have ever even dreamed of. Lord, may the Holy Spirit rise up in our hearts and change us and shape us and mold us to live out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you a couple of minutes. You know, I don't usually do this, and I didn't plan to do this, but I'm going to challenge some of you guys. Some of you need to be praying. Some of you have kind of set the call to share your faith aside for whatever reason, and you need to repent of that. That's sinful. It's not who Christ has called us to be. 
I know you're scared. I know you're fearful. I, me too. I get all that. But man, sometimes we got to walk through that fear for the sake of the gospel. Maybe you need to pray where you are. Maybe you need to pray down here. But I want to challenge you right now to pray about what the Lord's called you to do and who he's called you to be and give you the strength to act on it. Sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.